Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. And as a reminder, I am the Director of Sales at Tendo and lead Early Health System Partnerships. Really looking forward to today's guest, Alex and Antoine from the Advancement League. They wear many hats, have many experiences and connections in the healthcare field. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation and make sure to subscribe, rate, review, share wherever you get podcasts and enjoy. Excited to welcome Alex and Antoine to the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Welcome, Alex and Antoine. Antoine, I'll start with you. Um, we're going to you to start with a little origin story. You know why healthcare, and give the listeners a little bit of background on yourself. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for having me, uh, Antoine Williams, uh, co-founder of the Advancement League and traditional boring hospital administrator. I'm a uh, vice president of operations with Henry Ford. Uh, by the time you see this video, we'll see if that changes. But um, hospital operator fell into healthcare and, and undergrad, was a civil engineer by training and uh, got to calculus three and physics two and said, you know what, this isn't the route for me and learned about healthcare, got to know and got familiar with how vast it is and, and fell in love. And uh, we've been chasing the, the dream of building a healthier future since then. So Still optimistic about all things healthcare and excited to be here with you. Awesome. I'm so offended. And, and I'm anyway. so offended that Antoine went first that I refused to. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, it, if, it, if, it, if, it, if anybody knows Antoine, I, I don't think boring hospital administrator would be on the board of any of his family feuds. So, um, all right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let we'll let you go, Alex. I'm I'm refusing. No, I so excited to be here. Josh, love what you do and uh, all the positivity that you radiate into the world. So Alex Mearsperger, also co-founder of the Advancement League, back when Antoine and I were administrative fellows at Geisinger Health System um, and Geisinger Health Plan. Now I work uh, after that was at Blue Cross North Carolina for a stint and then I'm at the global analytics leader SAS um, in a global product marketing role and host uh, podcasts. So I have the the professional mic. I might sound crystal clear here in a, a minute, uh, host of the SAS Health Pulse podcast as well. So fun to be on the other side of this for a minute. Exactly. And we, we, we brought Jared and Zane on the other side as well, who you guys know. So I'm um, just bringing all the podcast hosts on one place. So excited to dig into some topics. I know you guys mentioned it a little bit, but would love for you guys to share. I'll start with you on this one, Alex. Uh, you talked a little bit about the Advancement League, and we'll get into that a little bit further, but kind of describe uh, maybe in a little bit more detail for some of the folks uh, how that uh, was, was, was born. And uh, maybe then, Antoine, you can kind of dig into what you guys do today. Yeah, really out of lived experience. And so a, a lot of my lived experience of being an hospital administrative fellow, I would say when you're in graduate school, even the way MHAs are described as a degree, it's often referred to as a master of hospital administration, even though it's a master of health or a master of healthcare administration. And so a lot of the world to a lot of graduate healthcare students is very hospital centric. That's sort of what you see. And for some reason, everyone has in their head, like, hospital CEO is the job. And so I went through that sort of process uh, and you're hammered with in graduate school, the healthcare system is broken, it's expensive, all of the things that you hear. And then you get into your very first hospital job and very often it's, hey, we need to figure out how to do exactly what we did last year, just with 
less budget, less resources, but we need to make more money. Like that's the thing. And so on, on day one of my hospital administrative fellowship, I sort of came to that quick realization of like, maybe I don't want to do this forever, but I also don't know who to tell that to, because you can't really tell it to your boss. Like you're there training you to be them. You can't tell it in my experience. Like I couldn't tell it to my wife or like, Hey, we went through six years of grad school and undergrad and all this time we were in debt. All we have a kid at that time, like the job that I thought I wanted, I just figured out I don't want it. So really those out of lived reality and lived experience of, Hey, we're having these uh, like lunches together where we talk about these things and we say, Hey, I don't know if I particularly like this aspect of my job or I don't know this. And so we started these just lunches. Dr. Dr. Feinberg at the time, who's now leading Oracle health and who was the leader of Google health after Geisinger, he joked, we, we hosted a, we called it a healthcare road trip. And we said, if anybody wants to come and sort of hang out with us, you can come, come and hang out with us. We'll talk healthcare for a day. And like 40 or 50 people showed up and we showed Dr. Feinberger a picture and he was like, all these people showed up to have lunch with you and Antoine. Like, what is this? Um, and so really out of those road trips started, uh, we said, Hey, we're starting to organize people and starting to have really meaningful discussions and starting to partner with people in a way that says, what can we really do to make a difference in the future of healthcare? And that's how Advancement League was born. Love it. Love it. And Antoine, I know you guys um, have, have helped a lot of people you know, since then, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but um, you know, anything to add there on, on, on that journey or kind of, you know, what's, what's it shaped now? Yeah, no, we, we jumped right out. I always say, you know, with the, the sales background that you have, Josh, is that this was truly demanded by our consumers. We had every intention on on having a summer lunch meetup for the rest of eternity, and and folks said, you know what, we're, you know, for lack of a better term, we're, we're we're tired of going to the same conferences. We're tired of talking about the same things. You all need to think bigger and, and do it bigger, and and that's where the Young Health Leaders Summit was born. And and now, you know, fast forward, we're kicking off year five, so North Carolina year five, people helping people. And we boiled it down to two things, community impact, keeping everyone that comes to the summit tied to the true purpose that many of us enter the industry with, which is to help people and help communities and then career development, true vertical networking. How can we help each other and how can we uh, lift each other up as we climb the ladder? Yeah, it's been pretty powerful to see and experience firsthand. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. So you mentioned some of the sales. So we're going to start at the first segment. And um, this one's super unique because I think you guys uh, can also shed some perspective, both on the healthcare system side, provider side, you, you still, Antoine, and then also to run, run and own in your own business. You guys do this all day, every day on the Advancement League side. So we do a top 10, bottom 10 sales story. So I'm going to start with you, Antoine. Um, you know, what's kind of your best or worst experience being sold to as a hospital administrator, um, you know, in terms of working with vendors and then maybe how big of the impacted uh, certain projects maybe have on the system and on patient care? Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll start with the, the, the best. Um, we had a presentation from a company around uh, biospatial strategic uh, applications. So how do we leverage EMS data to make better decisions to uh, create stronger care pathways and to make more preemptive decisions? And I'll tell you, this company knocked it out of the park. Um, I think the first thing they did extremely well was 
establish allies within the system. Uh, that ally helped get all the right people to the room and, and they knocked it out of the park with the visuals. And I think the most important thing was that they pinpointed our specific areas of opportunity. So I won't name drop the company, but they knocked it out of the park. Um, again, I, I introed as a, a boring healthcare administrator, you know, Alex and I, through our work with the Advancement League and just uh, the things that we fall in love with, we, we see all these great companies who are doing great things, automation and pie in the sky things. But my day job keeps me humble and, and helps me realize that sometimes problems are, are vast and complex and we need simple solutions. And I think this is one of them, you know, better leveraging data, um, keeping us connected to the patients. Um, and it was a, a, a great presentation. Nice. And, and, and that's, I, I love the takeaways there because sometimes it's all this complex and tools and solving all this and innovation, but uh, simple solutions. I like that. So on the other side, I guess, what's maybe the one that didn't hit the mark and, um, and, and, and was maybe the worst. I'm digging deeper into boring and we're going to go contracts and contract management, physician contracts, supply chain contracts, Imagine a local community hospital with minimal resources and you have 17 people with uh, 17 different roles um, in an Excel document and you're trying to manage contracts. So we reached out to a company who's worked with any of the top 10 hospitals you can manage. We, we thought we articulated the problem well and that we needed, hey, we want to be able to pay our docs on time. Uh, we want alerts when contracts are becoming uh, to end, enter their last year of life, things of that nature. This company had a strong track record. Uh, they came to the meeting. And if we think about pre-contract, during the contract and post-contract, our key needs were kind of during the contract, going into post, uh, an hour call, and they walked us through the entire pre-cycle. And we got to the during cycle and the call ended. So, you know, me looking at my chief financial officer and my team, like, what the heck was that? You know, that it, we couldn't have gave them a, a better, a better alley hoop. So, you know, pinpointing that best case scenario. And then the, the one that I just articulated, I think re asking the question, um, identifying what the true scope is. Before, during, and after, I think is is the key takeaway there. Yeah, contracts, trying to help contracts managing the arduous processes of contracts in hospital, right? That's a that's one 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 for the ages for sure. Uh, and switching over to you, Alex, I know you have a lot of experience here. Um, so, best or worst, whichever one you want to start with. I'll start with worst, uh, even though I like to start with dessert first, which I guess would be best. But uh, this time we'll, we'll flip flop. I, just by nature of Advancement League and sort of where we've taken career paths and how we share sort of our paths, we get a lot of requests for career advice. And one career advice that we often give is why you, why them, and why now? And so like, just if you're framing a job application or things, it's why you, sort of what is about your particular skills or unique aspect why them? Sort of why are you choosing them? And then why now? What about this unique time makes a difference? And I think about that same thing in the sales process of the most memorable and least memorable or sort of best and worst. 
the worst sales process I remember and have been part of selection committees on both hospitals and health plans for big partnerships, as well as big technology integrations and things. The worst were the ones that I didn't know uh, like I couldn't answer those three questions. So it was like, why you? It would be like, hey, we're going to, as a hospital system or as a health plan, it was like, you've articulated as a vendor or potential partner, you've articulated like, we're going to be able to serve our patients or members better. We're going to increase outcome or make better outcomes. We're going to make money, whatever it was. And then like, why now? Here's why it makes sense things. But they would leave the room or they would leave the process. And we would be like, wait, like, I don't, really understand how they make money or like, I don't, I don't get like something, the, the, that feeling and that quote of like, you don't remember sort of some of the specifics, but you remember how people make you feel like some of the worst sales process. It's that after feeling of like, I don't know if we just got like, we haven't even signed anything, but I don't know if we just got scammed or like, I, like they told us how we're going to make money, but how do they make money? And if we don't know how they make money, like for sure, they're making money in some way that like screws us over. So like, I think that feeling, and I, I can distinctly remember not some of the details of something, but I can remember the companies or I can remember the feeling when they left the room and the convert, the quick conversations of like, what just ha- like, wait a minute, how does all that work? And that, so I think the, the most memorable have absolutely been the ones where you can clearly articulate like, Hey, this is good for us. This is good for them. This is good for the patients, the members. And this is good right now because it's on trend or it's on whatever. And then I would say also just working with great. Uh, sales leaders or great leaders. Uh, I can talk about, a, we'll call him famous. It'll be good for his ego if he listens to this. We'll say a, a famous orthopedic physician. Uh, the hospital that we worked at had a contract with a third-party vendor for durable medical equipment, DME, uh, which uh, often people can understand that it's very expensive. It's like the less thought of part after knee surgeries or hip surgeries or back surgeries or whatever. But like all of a sudden you get hit with obviously your big inpatient medical bill, but then you get hit with like $900 back brace or $600 knee brace. And then it gets price adjusted and you get sent to uh, collections and you end up paying like 48 bucks, whatever it is. But we essentially had this third party contract with a large um, vendor for these bracing and durable medical equipment. And the famous orthopedic surgeon, very innovative, very forward thinking said, what if we bought all of the inventory and then then we'll know what we pay for it because we're going to buy it and we'll negotiate and we'll figure it out. And then we just like go on Amazon and figure out what this stuff is. Or we just talk, talk about like cost it out of here's what we bought it for. And then we sell it to people for slightly more than we bought it for. So we don't lose money, but then we just have it. And that was like from a memorable sales process. I think that was the ideal scenario of like, we got to be, even though we were the purchasers, we got to now buy it uh, from the other side and be like, Hey, we're going to buy this back. So it was good for the patients. In the end, we were like, Hey, this knee brace is 20 bucks. We'll sell it for 25. Like this seems like a good deal for everyone involved. Uh, instead of saying this knee brace is 25 bucks, we're going to charge people 600 and hope they pay 25. Um, so I can think of some of those is a lot of times it comes back to the people, the best sales process or the best things is like you trusted a leader. They told you to do the right thing. You got to go do it. Um, so those have been some of the the worst and the best. Not really like that. And, and the challenge, because a lot of times in healthcare, 
what you just described, which is kind of like business 101, which is you purchase something and it costs X and then you make Y and that's revenue. All that gets flipped outside, right? And I think we're a long way, price transparency, but that is the challenge in healthcare, right? Is Antoine's looking at a spreadsheet in this health system world. Alex and, and myself are looking at this. And yeah, there's a lot of times where nobody knows who's making money, somebody's making money, but a lot of times, you know, consumers and, and the common business isn't. So I love those examples. Um, you know, moving on in terms of leaders and healthcare leaders, I know you guys have already mentioned some rock star ones uh, so far in this podcast, but um, we do a little Mount Rushmore. So if you had to put some Mount Rushmore, either healthcare or sales leaders, um, and I'll start with you on this one, Alex, uh, just kind of four leaders that helped uh, shape who you are. Dang. Narrowing it down to four, I think this this could be the entire podcast. I, I'm so grateful for so many that have given their time and things. I, I'll rattle just a couple off the top of my head, but uh, Brian E. Wynn and Rahul Rajkumar, Dr. Rahul Rajkumar, were the chief strategy and innovation officer and the chief medical officer when I started at Blue Cross North Carolina. And Brian E., one of her very first days, it was at that point a, a small strategy team. She's now gone on. She's the president of health solutions at Elevance. I think there's something like 12,000, 13,000 people reporting to her. It's one of the three largest health insurers on planet earth. Uh, just incredible career path. But one of her first strategy meetings, she sort of sat us all down and said, Hey, I'm going to take all of my PTO. Uh, and here's how I'm going to use it to recharge. And here's how I'm going to use it as a tool. And this is what I expect from this team. I want you all to live fulfilling and thrilling lives and do fun things. And we're going to work hard and sort of set those expectations. But it was the first time that someone really articulated like PTO as a tool. Uh, and I, I can go down the list of other things that she was just great at articulating, like, here's why we're doing these things. It's not just like PTO as the side benefit, or it's not just these strategy retreats or meetings as like strategy retreat and meetings that are just checklist on the calendar. Like here's the why behind it. And so it has to be on the Mount Rushmore just for articulation of here's the strategy. Here's the why Dr. Rahul Rajkumar, chief medical officer had come from government, either CMS or HHS or one of the, the government platforms. Uh, I actually took a job at SAS was fortunate to be recruited, went through that process, uh, great role, was excited to go to a technology company, had always wanted that experience after working on the other side um, and seeing technology companies partner. I thought SAS presented a great opportunity. So I was leaving SAS on my very last day. Dr. Rajkumar said, hey, Alex, like saw me in the hallway or whatever, either sent me an email or saw me in the hallway and said like, hey, can you spend a little bit of time with me? Like I'm leaving uh, Blue Cross North Carolina. A lot of people I think would be like, you're gone or whatever. He literally like, brought me into his office and was like, Hey, you've worked at Geisinger health plan. You've worked here at blue cross, North Carolina. You've seen some different things. Like what can we do better? I like, just think about how wild that is. Like chief medical officer of this 4 million plus health plan, like the last day of some random, I'll say like random person at that time in my career, just like, I'm not like running the place to be like, Hey, what can we do better? And like of the things you saw, what would we do differently? And so like, that's a Mount Rushmore leader. And then I would say, uh, Recently, Solome Tibabu, who's running the in-person uh, for the last few years, it's been the digital behavioral health conference and now is leading the in-person later this year as well. Uh, one of the people that like when you look at her resume or you look at just 
LinkedIn or you see updates, it's like, dang, knows everyone, like everyone gives her love every time, things like investor, uh, advisor, mentor, like Bill and Melinda Gates. You just see like every big name. I think Andreessen Horowitz, she's like a scout for. So you see all these just like big names, big things. But when you're around her or when you get an email from her or whatever it is, she makes you feel like you're more important than her. And I think it it goes back to that common theme of the quote, like you remember how people make you feel is so true. And I think you just see some of these people that get a lot of love, whether it's social media attention or whether it's awesome jobs and roles. And sometimes you can feel like, oh, they know someone or like, oh, like there's that human nature element. And then you meet some of these people and you get to know them. And we've been so fortunate. She's come to the Young Health Leader Summit multiple times. She's coming back this year, like such a blessing that so many of these people give us their time. But when you meet them and get to know them, like they really treat everyone like you're more important than them and you're like wait a minute like i see you on tv not you see me on tv um and so there's just so many that deserve to be on the mount rushmore love it over to you antoine yeah so i don't consider myself to be a history buff but i think mount rushmore has four heads so uh put that antoine's my fourth antoine's my first as a tick against alex clearly he's going to fill two of those spots because uh, listen, we have so many mutual friends, and I've been able to meet some of his leaders. So, those are the individuals that he mentioned. I'm going to go micro individuals that they hear this podcast, and then a couple that have directly. So, one is Carol Pegasus. She's she's done such amazing work with uh you know the companies that she's been with and. I know Alex and I talk, we're optimistic about the great things that her and the team will do with uh, Morgan Health and, and that whole team there. We've had a chance to hear her speak at uh, Health and some other conferences. So optimistic that she'll do some great things. She would be up there. Uh, one is, a, a am happy to call a mentor of mine, it's Rashard Johnson. He's a, a leader with, with Atrium Health, authentic in every sense of the word, keeps it real. A uh, brilliant guy has been an amazing supporter and is, is fighting the good fight from a healthcare standpoint. Um, Tim Cook, just based on sheer potential and sheer impact, you know, I, I think in, in my experience in my lifetime, he's been the Apple's been one of the, the best companies um, that we've experienced. And I would like to debate this conversation on Apple and continue to look down at my heart rate on my Apple watch. I think that there's a lot of potential there. Who knows? They may uh, open the health plan and do some good things and may partner with us at the advancement league. And then last is um, Dr. David Feinberg. Alex and I had a chance to work under him while he was at Geisinger. We were young and impressionable. And um, I think he helped shape, you know, who we are as leaders, why we feel so strongly about the advancement league and, um, just too many stories to share on how how much of an impact he had on our lives early in our healthcare career, and gracefully. So that's the top four: uh, a mix of of friends and and friends to be. Yeah, I love it. And then, you know, the takeaway there, right, is Antoine is much better at history than Alex, um, you know, just in terms of historical relevance, too. So um, (laughs) 
Now, great list, guys. And uh, I think you're going to like this one. So what we do at MJ versus LeBron debate. So we've been bringing together lots of different sales leaders, digital health leaders, and uh, kind of you know doing a sports theme twist on healthcare. But you guys, we're going we're gonna to even remix it a little bit more, right? So first, we're going to start MJ versus LeBron and get your basketball takes since the NBA playoffs are going on. But then we're going to go a little rapid fire and kind of combine all the different segments that we've done since you guys have lots of experience in healthcare. So we'll start it with, uh, you know, with, with just a straight MJ versus LeBron. And I'm going to make sure you guys give some short, concise answers because we don't have all day to be on this podcast. So uh, start with you and you know, no, 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 no more than a minute or two. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go we'll go with you, Antoine, just straight MJ versus LeBron on the basketball take. Yeah, go LeBron. Um, from my age, love the last dance, but gotta gotta go with LeBron. I'm living it. I'm seeing it in 3D right now. So I'm I'm gonna whisper LeBron, but then I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm saying this from North Carolina. My son was born on <laughs> campus at UNC, and uh, MJ is a native North Carolinian, kind of, but. Uh, if he and he's done a lot for the healthcare community lately uh, in North Carolina and Charlotte, he's opened up uh, medical clinics and different things for underserved populations and different areas and things. So, if uh, I'm saying MJ with LeBron quiet uh, in hopes that MJ himself would come to the Young Health Leader Summit. Well, when I, when I, when I'm, yeah, when when I'm walking around in in the, in the Novant, near the Novant facilities in Charlotte, I'm definitely going to tell MJ that you said LeBron. So uh, (laughs) that was, it was quiet. That could have been a mic slip. (laughs) I don't know. That was the microphone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so switch, switch it over to the healthcare side of things. So, um, you know, Bill versus buy any, any takes uh, there on, on the first topic. So we'll start with you, Alex, Bill versus buy in the, in the, in the frame of healthcare really hard now just technology has advanced so much that most even some of the biggest hospitals or health plans you can't really build anymore and so you've got a partner you both can't build and can't buy and so it's almost partner so build versus buy i'm taking the cop-out answer and saying partner that's uh it's a we have a, a saying the future of health is together and so that together side of it's going to take all of us to be able to do the things we want to do Love it. Any thoughts there, Antoine? Yeah, bye. Um, speed, stealth, efficiency, lean, whatever term you want to use. I think we're going to see more. I know we need to ways to do it with Got it. And then this was one of the widely debated topics, but uh, fee-for-service versus value-based care. And I'll start with you, Antoine, um, with your with your experience on this one. Yeah, who would we be if we did not say value-based care? Um, the caveat is, you know, at the organizations that you know, we're still hiring positions and we're still educating senior exec leaders on the value of value-based care. You know, they're still having panels and sessions about it on global scale. So we know that vaccine's been slow. It's supposed to be the best thing since I spread. So. We're going to stay optimistic, but the clock is ticking and we're, we're two individuals that are pushing on the industry to move move a lot quicker. So living fee for service, but we have to, have to continue to lean. 
what if I go down in history as the worst debater ever for copping out on each answer? <laughs> We're giving third answers to these one-on-one debates. Liberal um, Nancy. I, I do go, well, it's definitely not fee-for-service. I, I want to say value-based care so hard, but some of the, the things that Antoine said, I think it's just, it's unfortunate as you look at the sort of curve of administrative expense to the timing of like value-based care of like, in some ways, the what do they say? The disease is, or the cure can't be worse than the disease. And so if we're trying to save healthcare costs by hiring a million people to figure out how to implement and figure out value-based care and fight it and all the things that maybe it is value-based care 2.0, or maybe it's capitation. But in this, I'll, I'll settle my, I'll settle this debate with firmly in the value-based care camp for the sake of this argument. Love it. Love it. And then finally, we did this one with actually Jared and Zane, consumer versus patient. So I'll let you start uh, and unpack this one, Alex. Oh, they absolutely had to have gone consumer all day. Consumer with a capital C with three underlines under it. Um, I do think it is challenging. I actually, so I led member, I worked on a uh, consumer experience, I worked on a member experience team within a consumer experience division at one hospital system. And so we had both words and a patient experience. So we had patient experience, member experience, and consumer experience all with teams across a hospital and health plan and sort of different forms of leadership. And then I worked for an exceptional experience uh, corporate strategy role at a different health plan. And then I've talked to a million doctors who are uh, who agonize over the word consumer. And these are our patients and we take a sacred oath and this is how we're going to treat them and we don't want them to be consumers. So all of that said, I'm firmly on team consumer, uh, unless you are inpatient hospital and have no say, then I think we try to act like it's a consumer in every role. Uh, and I think there's times when you're a consumer, there's times when there is a sacred nature to being a patient and having that patient physician relationship. Um, but overall, I think we'll do well as an industry if we adopt consumer because we'll be able to deliver, just like Antoine said in the beginning, is you listen to people a little bit better when you feel like they've got a choice. Got it. I can't imagine those business cards with exceptional, uh, amazing, <laughs> yeah. you know, experience. It speaks that's to the a, industry of just like no one's, <laughs> no one's got this right yet, or no one's, no one agrees. We'll, we'll figure it out. What are your thoughts here on the uh, hospital side of things, there, Antoine? Yeah, um, I would say that majority of people will say consumer in, until they're a patient. Um, I think Alex threw it right on the head. I think there's a, a line somewhere in the sand, and I love the idea. Consumerism and all the great things that come with that. But when you're a patient, you want to Got some real stories to share there uh, as an individual, as a family member, etc. So um, I think really to the run on the head, maybe the line in the sand is inpatient care, you know, where you change that C to a P. Um, so I'm going to go, uh, it's neutral, Nancy, on this one and say a little bit of both. <laughs> No, I, I, I think on that one, it's, it, it certainly is both, right? And I think it's also, you know, evolving. Um, no, you guys did great. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get some, some topics to, um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's topics that Antoine and Alex can, you know, poke the bear more and get you guys going back and forth, but we'll have to save that for part two of this, uh, you know, you guys together on the podcast. So, um, switch it up a little bit in terms of advice for a rookie sales rep or healthcare leader. Super interested in your guys' take here. So if you had to look back in this current climate, 
what would be that advice? And then I know you guys mentioned some of the mentorship. So if you would also touch on outside of just your know, general advice, you know, ad- advice for people kind of looking at mentors or trying to even, you know, start down a mentorship path, because I think it's so critical, but a lot of times I get the feedback of, well, who, you know, how do I even start that conversation? Right. So uh, maybe starting with you, Antoine, the advice, and then uh, some of the practical steps to maybe looking at that mentorship. Yeah, no, I, th- I think this applies to individuals in the sales spaces, as well as to your point, those seeking mentorship. And it's something that we've adopted at the Advancement League. She was just getting started. Genuine relationship, people helping people, and we've kind of adopted that methodology. So I think we've had mentorship in that. To the best for the best, and the folks that might want to see your LinkedIn request me message for another year or whatever. So, challenging each and every individual listening to this to look at their colleagues, look at their classmates, look at folks that are doing um, things at their level and, and make meaningful connections because people are, are going places and you know, what we feel is the best thing. Yeah, one of the um, things that we do at the Young Health Leader Summit is a 24-hour community impact competition. And so we've literally put attendees into groups of strangers, give them physical cash, which only one group has ever lost that physical envelope of cash. Uh, and it was just the the default setting of like sticking it in a backpack and forgetting it for a minute. And so we were searching under chairs and things. But then we give them 24 hours and say, go spend that money as a group in a way that you think is going to make the biggest difference on the future of healthcare. And it's been amazing to see the career path changes because of that 24 hours. And so my advice to rookie sales rep or early healthcare leader or, or whatever stage you are going through that sort of sales side is to actually care about what you're selling and to like give it some thought and be thoughtful about the way you articulate it. Because that 24-hour community impact competition, we've seen people be hospital or health insurance leaders or just whatever at sort of part of the healthcare system they are. And with just a little bit of money and a little bit of time, they're like, oh, I'm willing to fight and I'm willing to be like very vocal and say like the only thing that matters right now in this 24 hours is that we spend money on pediatric mental health. Like that's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference in the future. And then there's that realization, that sort of snap logic of like, oh, shoot, I really care about kids' mental health and I think it's the biggest going to be the biggest impact on the future. But like I don't do anything for that in my day job or in my even free time or things. And so they've gone back and been like, okay, like, what are the pediatric mental health startups and who can I help and things? And so I'd say the biggest sort of advice I have is to find that sort of passion route that uh, if you care about what you're selling and if you are able to articulate the here's why I'm doing this and here's the product we have and here's what we're doing to make a difference is, is really important. And then Antoine said it right, uh, networking. And I hate the terms like up, down, around, but so many are so focused on that up of like senior level executive, like they're the ones that are going to make the decision for me. They're the ones that are going to do this. That weirdly, just as humans, it's almost like a, a bug, not a feature is uh, we just automatically assume that like today is forever. And so you think like this person has a CEO title today, like they're going to have an even bigger title tomorrow, or they're just going to be a CEO forever. And like the really tragic, unfortunate part is just over a lifetime, you're going to lose 
people to addiction or to disease or to bad choices or to all sorts of things. So that huge CEO that you want to network with today, like may not be a CEO for weeks longer. And that person who reports to you right now may literally be the CEO next. Like that's just how the sort of chips fall and how the life goes. And so networking up around and down, but especially with your peers, if you just look at wishing everyone the most health and happiness, and like most careers are going to be 40 years uh, or more. Uh, and so if you just look at sort of the people around you and you're as able to be as helpful as possible to the people right in your proximity, whether it's at school or early in a career, like those are the people that as it plays out over decades are going to really make a huge difference both in your life and in the life of the communities you get to serve together. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't agree more. Right. Cause I think it's, you always, if anybody's had a conference, particularly in sales, right. you get a list and, you know, blast out that list, try to get meetings, right. Drive the ROI. But you know, a lot of times there, there are ways, you know, both from a personal perspective, um, and sometimes it could be uncomfortable, right? But you don't necessarily even have to do it in person, right? But taking some of those, you know, meetings after with somebody who might not be able to benefit you a week down the road, two weeks down the road, but then, you, you know, you had that connection or you met somebody that was doing, you know, some pediatric mental health startup. And then, you know, you meet a doc that you're trying to get in with the system and has a, you know, weird challenge that involves pediatric mental health, right? And it all comes full circle, right? And, um, you know, you can kind of remember, and it's always tough to be able to send somebody a note just, you know, out of the blue. And and, and then it comes across as, hey, you want something, right? Versus, hey, I know, remember that one thing you told me, here's a doctor that, you know, has has one challenge, let me make a connection. And if it goes anywhere, great. Um, But if not, and and that is honestly, you know, so, so powerful. Um, But in order to do that, you kind of have to be uncomfortable to be able to take some of those meetings. But uh, I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, And I think it's hard, right? Because everybody's busy in their lives. And, um, you know, sometimes too, I even find myself, um, you know, wanting to take some of these meetings and then going into it and be like, okay, what's the agenda for this? You know, you see it on your calendar, but it's like, okay, it's okay. This type of meeting doesn't have to have an agenda. You know, I'm Josh, this is my experiences. Oh, it's your experiences. 30 minutes go by. Okay. You know, I made, made a great connection. Right. So I re- really enjoy that. Um, and then is, I guess our final, um, you know, couple ones. Um, so we, we touched on some of the community of health, right? But um, would love for you guys to just touch on a little bit about a preview of what's coming uh, later this summer with the uh, Young Health Leaders Summit and then just any other uh, kind of upcoming, uh, you know, communities that are that are impactful there on the healthcare. So starting with you, Antoine, just maybe touch a little bit upon Young Health Leaders Summit um, and then anything else around the power of community uh, specific to healthcare. Yeah, no. Um, so year five, bigger and, and better than ever, um, but still small enough to to make meaningful connections and actually get a chance to talk to the people you have here. connections July thirty first through August second in the beautiful state of North Carolina, Perry Research Triangle. Good food, good people, good energy. The sales test, but. It's high and it's been a great place for people to, to, to leverage and propel their career, their personal life, and their purpose. So we shall see you there. Yeah, the just all-star cast. I don't even think I can explain how fortunate we are that Antoine said it. There's like some magic. I don't know. I don't remember what that book was. Is it Outliers that says like 10,000 hours is the the magic number? 
I'm sure we, we've long passed 10,000 hours, so maybe we're de- delayed in uh, the, the work side, but five years, I don't know how you divide up the, the hours and years, but there's something magic about doing something for five years. And the Young Health Leader Summit year number five, like we would email people at you could call it emailing or spam people like year one, two, three, and four of just like, please, will this person respond to our emails or like pay attention? Or it would be so awesome if they would speak. And now like the people actually email back or they send their actual text messages or say like, Hey, we'd love to, or Hey, I heard about this from like, we've got people reaching out to us now, like incredible CEOs and billion dollar companies, brand new startup companies, coolest. We have, vice presidents and directors from Mayo Clinic, from Geisinger, again, from Henry Ford, where Antoine is, from Deloitte, from Foresight Labs, from Season, from Farmbox, like just the CVS Health, Homeward, like pick a really cool startup and like there's going to be someone awesome there. Uh, Pick a really cool health system doing interesting stuff that you see in the news. There's going to be like people there. And it's just wild and such a blessing to like have the people together for a few days. And you don't really get that, what Antoine said of just, it's big enough where it feels like a real party and real fun, but it's small enough where you like get to hang out with these people for three or four days. And that experience of, we've just really tried to be intentional about how do we make this three days where it feels like you all come together as friends and as peers, and you can talk about the real issues. Sometimes you see the headlines and it's not really the feeling that you get within that organization. And so being able to say, I don't have, I get to make my own name badge at the Young Health Leader Summit. That's by design. So you're not, and you're in casual clothes and it's summer in North Carolina. So sitting next to the chief medical officer of the big name organization you see all over the news these past few months and being able to say, hey, what is, is it cool? Like just having that normal conversation, like what is actually happening? And you get that real conversation in shorts better than you get it with a real fancy suit on. Um, or your nicest dress. And so that's been a, the thing that we most look forward to. I really can't wait every year. We, we said we should, Dr. Feinberg said we should rename it the middle age, uh, healthcare conference, which is wildly offensive and why he's not on my Mount Rushmore. Um, but we've, we've joked that we could like really rename it the like healthcare friends fest. And it's just become this like awesome group of friends who get together in, in the summer in North Carolina and all happen to have amazing roles in the future of health. So. Super exciting. Yeah, I'm no expert in marketing, but that doesn't roll off the tongue like a Young Health Leaders Summit, uh, what uh, Dr. Feinberg said. Um, no, I, I, I've got to experience it firsthand. It's, it's, it's something I highly recommend. You know, I know budgets are tight, but it, it, it is going to you know, bring back some of those transferable um, you know, skills, connections, whether you're on the tech side. For me, being on the tech and sales side, it really was super you know, gratifying to be able to meet students and other people and just kind of open their eyes to, um, you know, I had no business background or any background and kind of you know, stumbled my way into VC back digital health. And so being able to give some people some perspective and then on the other side, being able to sit next to some of those, you know, health system folks and um, really understand the operational side of things. And, um, and it's, 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 it's a magical place. Right. But I, I guess, I guess I'm biased. So, um, well, excited to do that. Anything else that you guys, uh, on, on the way out, we do a quick, you know, quick sales plug. Um, so Antoine, maybe start with you, anything, uh, you know, going on besides the advancement league, um, that, 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 that you want to plug or any final thoughts? No, um, you know, shout out to, uh, Orlando health down in central Florida. Um, if you're listening to this, to this podcast, we're going to 
give you a discount to the summit. So we'll make sure that the drops that in the bio. Same, just the gratitude of uh, people listening and paying attention and all of the people that have supported us throughout the years. I think we mentioned, uh, even though I only gave three on my Mount Rushmore because I said Anton was my number one, uh, The there's so many on the list. And so just a huge appreciation to all of those who gave us time throughout our career paths as healthcare. It's, it's weird. It's like a huge world and a small world all at the same time. And so it, I say huge world because it's interesting. We get like hospital or health plan or health tech leaders and you come together and like, you're still missing pharma and consumer startups and tech company. Like you're still missing a huge portion of the world. And so sometimes we just limit ourselves to thinking it's this small sort of group of community. But then I say small because it is wild. You just run into, I was at, uh, on SAS campus today, they were hosting the Coalition for Health AI. Uh, and so there's a president of the Mayo Clinic learning platform. There's all these things. And I was literally jokingly taking a picture of one of the desserts for my wife. And uh, as I'm like sitting there trying to get this perfect shot of the, the picture. And next to me was the chief health or the chief uh, diversity officer, chief health equity officer for Google. Uh, Google Health, Dr. Uh, I believe it's Ivan Horn. And like, I'm just sitting there taking a picture, like embarrassing. I look over and it's like one of your health heroes. And I literally said like the word that I said, I was like, dang, I just saw you on like Adamika Arthur. She's the CEO of Health Tech for Medicaid. I was like, I literally saw your picture this morning on Instagram. <laughs> like that's the, the super embarrassing that I'm awkwardly caught in this moment, like holding my my food in one hand and trying to balance a phone and take a picture. But the, my last sales pitch is just how unbelievably big and small at the same time the healthcare world is and how fortunate we are to interact with so many incredible people. And so just a huge thank you. Now we're looking forward to it and I'm highly competitive. So I'll make sure that we have all the information flowing on the newsletter, on the podcast. We'll use, make sure, you know, there's, there's some of these other codes floating around, but we'll make sure you guys use the best code uh, team Josh to, uh, you know, to get you that, that uh, reservation. Um, there for the summit. Um, but Alex and Antoine, and, and also too, at the SAS campus, I can confirm the food, um, the, the, the food is 10 out of 10, right? So um, you have that to look forward to, um, if nothing else. But uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Alex and Antoine. Excited and uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing where you guys go and uh, seeing you guys here at the summit. Thanks, Josh. Loved it. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Special thanks to Alex and Antoine. Go ahead and make sure to follow them on LinkedIn and check out and follow the Advancement League. Stay tuned to the newsletter as well in the show notes for more information on the Young Health Leader Summit to attend discount codes as well as to sponsor and with the agenda. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we feature some clinicians that ended up going into technology and startups. I'm really looking forward to the conversation there and special shout out to one of the guests who helped get me started on this podcast train. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts. And thanks.